everybody, welcome to a fun episode of Back to School with Maz Jobrani. Today we have Taryn Killam, former cast member of Saturday Night Live. You know him. He's done some funny, funny sketches. He's a hilarious guy. Today, he's here to talk to us, first of all, about his experience on being on Saturday Night Live. Secondly, he's going to tell us about his acting experience on the movie 12 Years a Slave. Completely opposite vibe. Still an amazing job as an actor. He's a great actor. And lastly, he's going to tell us if you ever get anything even remotely big in New York City, make sure to rent a limo and put your head out and scream at the locals. They love it. That and more right now on Back to School with Maz Jobrani. Maz Jobrani. Hey. Jobrani Maz. Oh. Maz Jobrani. Hey. Jobrani. Mazzy, Mazzy. Oh. Maz, 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 Maz. Hey. I got a podcast. Oh. Back to school. Yeah. Hey, guys. We got a new sponsor, Ritual Vitamins. Check them out. You get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual's vegan-friendly multivitamin is made without sugars, GMOs, major allergens, or synthetic fillers. I want you to give it a try. Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. All you got to do is go to ritual.com backslash school to start your ritual today. Check it out. Do it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Back to School with Mazur Brani. I'm your host, Mazur Brani. This is my co-host, Tehran. How are you, T? Excellent. Glad to be here. Great episode today. I feel like it's going to be a lot of fun. I love this guy. Taryn Killam is multifaceted. As people will learn, he was on Saturday Night Live. He was on uh, Matt TV, one of only two actors to ever be on both. He was in 12 Years a Slave. He was in Wild and Out. He's been done a lot of stuff. Nice guy, positive guy. And um, for anyone who's at all interested in Saturday Night Live, anyone at all who's interested in maybe pursuing... Taryn Killam, thank you for joining us on Back to School with Maz Brani. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you so, so much for having me. Thank you for being on. I love the beard. That's a strong beard, thank my you. friend. I yeah, do the good beard, beard game is strong. The beard I game do is good strong. Beard. Well, praise from Caesar over there. That's yes. Well, let me ask yeah. you a quick question before we go any further. Before my son asks you the question, as someone who's older now, when I grow out my beard, there's a lot of grays. Are yeah. you are you seeing grays or are you or is it all natural? What's what's good or bad, depending on your perception about my beard, is that there has always been like wisps of blonde in it. I was very uh. blonde as a as a young lad. Um, and 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 the silver is kind of just like complementing the blonde. So I feel like I can get minimum, minimum half a decade more of going. Yeah, it's just his blonde beard before people are like, oh, he's near death. We're rooting for you, brother. We're rooting for you. Ageism in Hollywood. Let's talk Ageism. about it. Tell me about it. Let's get to Dara's question. We'll go for me. This is my son, Dara. Here's his question. Um, they're big SNL fans. And here we go. Hi, Mr. Kellum. I have a question for you. Do you remember what it was like to do your first episode on Saturday Night Live? It's a great question. It's a great question. God, I love, his voice is right in that cusp of like. Yeah. He's in the break. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like, it's right there. It's no more little boy, but it's not also man. It's just yeah. kind of that hollow thing right in between there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Reminds yeah. me of the Brady Bunch. Remember when Peter Brady, yeah. they, they were singing? They and made he was a like, hit record because of it. When it's time to change, you got to rearrange. <laughs> <laughs> ah. 
Um, okay, my first episode, of course, of course. Yeah, I mean, SNL for, you know, my I loved SNL so much growing up that the idea of being on it, I think, was like out of the realm of comprehension. And it wasn't until like I was in early adulthood that I was like, oh, no, if you train and you perform and you get your reps in, there are certain places you can be seen. And, and, and my place was the Groundlings Theater out here in Los Angeles. Um, so, yeah, so that first week, my my wife, Kobe Smolders, uh, was on the show How I Met Your Mother at the time. Um, and so they but so she was he, filming here in L.A., uh, Saturday Night Live films in New York. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, and so she got time off work. Kobe got time off to fly out because obviously that was like of all of all things, the most important thing to me. Um, God, how to how to how to cover a week in SNL because there's just it's so chaotic. There's so much. So everything about it was exciting. Everything I was trying to absorb every moment and just a quick schedule of the day is like Monday you pitch to the host. Yeah, and you book your writing assignments. Tuesday's kind of the writing day. Then Wednesday, you do the table read of 35 to 40 sketches, everything that people wrote the day before. And then that night, they pick 12 to 14 sketches that will get in the show. You rehearse Thursday, Friday, first part of Saturday. Saturday, you do a dress show at 8 p.m. That's like two hours. It's longer than a normal show. They cut anywhere between three to five sketches. And then at 11.30, you do the live show. Wow. So every part in of between was, in between you don't sleep you sleep at 30 rock you're just uh, the I the amount of times I slept on the couch in my office like it uh, yeah it was like 50 50 I think Jeez. um so my pitch you know they th when you're a new cast member they tell you just pitch something earnestly because because pitch is such a weird thing because the ultimate goal is to just kind of get a laugh out of the room Mm -hmm. so people who have been there like like fred armison would do crazy meta bits where he would like roast somebody you know like it wasn't what he was going to be writing that week but as a new cast member they're like just tell us what you think you're gonna write and i just amy poehler was the host who's like the perfect first host for a new cast member because she knows yeah. exactly what you're going through and so i pitched like um that she and i were reenact like you know, on the History Channel, they'll do those like face down reenactments of like, and then they sign the Declaration of Independence and it's in black and white and you just see bodies like reenacting that. Yeah. That we were terrible actors doing that, desperately trying to get our faces on screen. <laughs> um, That's very funny. Yeah, okay, so thank you. Yeah, no, the, and, and the pitch went okay. And then Seth Meyers very generously said, hey, I'd love to write that with you. Um, so we did that. And then I also wrote an update character as, as like this uh, insecure um, kind of like skater guy, you know, sort of had that same voice to your saying He's like, oh, dude, that's so, so gay, dude, you know, <laughs> and he was arguing for uh, the um, uh, same sex marriage bill that was being proposed at the time. There's a prop, prop 18 or whatever. And he, he was for it. But he kept saying like, People don't want like like a guy to marry a guy or a girl to marry a girl. It's so gay, dude. It's just like if you love each other, that's what's up. You know what I mean? Like anybody who's like tell someone not to be in love is so gay. And so you know, that was, was that a that character was... you had from before at Groundlings, or you came up with yes. it that week for this? Okay. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, just that sort of very, very flawed, ignorant, youthful thing of, of using gay as a negative thing when actually, you know, I have found, and I'm, I'm sure the same for you, you know, the youth of the generation does not have as, as big an issue with same-sex marriage as, as uh, their forefathers have. Yeah. Um, so, Unless if they're in Florida. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's always an asterisk for Florida, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, so I did that and and like that, that went okay, but then Amy Amy was coming back to do weekend update with Seth and they kind of did a thing covering that prop. So they're like, sorry, you know, that was that was a good showing, but um it's kind of being covered in something else and the sketch didn't get picked. So I was like, all right, I'm going to have a very quiet first week. That's okay. Um in the in the monologue, like Amy did a great cutaway. It was, so it was me Vanessa Bayer, Jay Farrow, and Paul Britton were all cast together as new cast members. And so she did a joke in her monologue where she's like, and welcome for new cast members. And it cut to us and we got to wave to camera. So that was our first time wow. on camera. Actually, Vanessa was in the cold open. She got to do the very first line of her first episode. But other than that, they cut away and then it cuts back to Amy. And she goes, okay, that's the only freebie you get. You have to earn the rest <laughs> of your screen time. Um, and then I was in, I had a brief, brief line in a, in a pre-tape called Boogerman, which was like a Lonely Island digital short. And then that was also, they did an Expendables live sketch, like a parody of the Expendables films. And that was the week that um, a steward for JetBlue like freaked out because a customer was being a jerk. And he like screamed at him, yelled, grabbed like a Zima and pulled the escape door open and said, I quit. And like, when wow. so I played that guy and that was it. That was my first show. And then my, so my wife was there and she booked a room at the Plaza for us. So we went to the after nice. party. And then after that, we went to the Plaza and toasted champagne. The after party at the uh, restaurant. What's that restaurant, Maz? Right Which there, the, right next near 30 Rock. The restaurant everyone goes to right after the- I don't know. I don't, I don't go. I, I haven't gone. That's terrible. Why are you asking me? Oh, so what? you- I, Daron, I think you're talking about the the ice rink for the season finale for the last episode. They do it at the ice rink there downstairs, and there's a couple restaurants that kind of open up into it. And they, well, there's a restaurant everyone goes on afterwards, and then the ice rink, which is right in the building. But there's a, it's like a Mastro's or something. Everyone goes right next door. It's like a steakhouse. I forget what it's called. So every episode does a different restaurant. Yeah. in manhattan like all you've been around. lied to tehran whoever whoever was no telling no you this i've just gone to the same one several <laughs> times like when tiffany and for chris red and all these like i was went to the same place so i just thought got and it, they're the best it. after parties i've ever been to like everybody is in there and i got to sit right next to taylor swift so i'm living that's life the dream. you know that's the so, dream. dream. So, Taryn, take the listeners back. So, because uh, what well, the reason also i i mentioned the idea of this character that you had that day was a character you'd worked on before. A lot of people don't realize how much work goes into getting to SNL and then how much work goes into writing a good sketch. Because, sure. you know, For I did sure. sketch comedy and I know, you know, we would have weeks to write something. You guys, in one week, you guys got to go bang it out. Boom, 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 boom. So yeah. you, were, you were born in the LA area, right? And then what happened Correct. from there? How'd you end up down this path of becoming this Hold kind on. of sketch? Hold on, really yeah. quick. We have to acknowledge Terrence Flex. He's married to Robin from How uh, How I Met Your Mother. That was a flex, by the way. He okay, brought up okay, Robin okay. like 14 times, like, yeah, and then my wife, you know, Robin from How I Met Your Mother. Like, I actually married her, not that guy. I married okay. her. 
that's None of those fools. That's how I met the mother. <laughs> like, that's how good. I met that's, my that's, kid's mother. That's a flex. I just want to make sure we all understand <laughs> that is a it. flex. Oh, okay. thank you. Now, thank you. please, please uh, tell yeah. us about your hard work. Yeah, I thought, I thought, I, I'm, I'm happy to translate because I always saw it as a come up. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's good yeah. to know that that it can also flex. be acknowledged as a flex as well. It's a flex. I'm giving you a new urban dictionary term Beautiful. for you, Karen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, born and raised in Los Angeles area, born in Culver City. My parents lived down in like Manhattan, Redondo Beach, and we were there till I was seven. And then I moved to Big Bear, California for like second grade till ninth grade. And then I auditioned for LOXA, which is the LA County High School for the Arts. That's the acronym, which is a, a public arts school that you have to audition to uh, audition to get in or submit a portfolio if you're a visual artist. Um, but it's a public school, state-funded education, and it's incredible. It's like it's like a conservatory at the high school level, and that's on the campus of Cal State LA, like where the ten and seven ten meet. Um, so my family, once I got in there, and I, I commuted for a year. I stayed with my grandmother in Long Beach, and she would drive me in. And then my family was like, "This is too much work. Let's all go back down to the South Bay." So I graduated high school. I went to UCLA for musical theater as like a musical theater major, actually. But in all this time, uh, you know, I was a smart ass. I was a mimic. I did impression. You know, I was just a, a clown of sorts. So as I was at UCLA, I was already kind of auditioning professionally. And my manager also repped Keenan at that time. And this was before okay. Keenan was on SNL. And Mad TV called and said, would Keenan be interested in auditioning? And, and they, I think, politely declined, but they said, we have this other kid who might be worth seeing. He's a lot of energy. He's not like trained or anything, but it could be, could be a fun audition. And that was me. And, and it worked somehow it worked. I just like put, I just did like 20 impressions of celebrities and then like five impressions of teachers and family members, which are like original characters, right? Like that <laughs> before I knew what I was doing. Um, and as a fluke, I got it. I got Mad TV when I was 19 years old. Wow. And was not trained, was not prepared, and kind of thrown in the deep end. But I loved it. I loved doing it. I was like, sketch. I've always loved comedy. I've always loved sketch. I thought I was going to be like, you know, a TV WB network actor. Um, but this is so much more fun. And everybody that I really loved and respected that I worked with at Mad TV, like 90% of them had come from the Groundlings Theater. So when I left the show, I was like, I, I need to figure out how to do this well. And I started taking classes there. And that's kind of where I was, I, I, you know, cut to five years later or whatever. I was performing at the Groundlings Theater when SNL came scouting. It's amazing because I know Jeff Richards, who I always thought was the only guy wow. who'd been on Mad yeah, and SNL. And then when yeah, I read, the first one. yeah, you're, you and Jeff were the only two that got on both. Yeah. Yeah. What what was that audition like for SNL? Did they was that nerve wracking or were you just coming? It sounds like for, for Matt, it was almost like ignorance is bliss. You walked in there, you're like, here's 20 guys, here's 30 girls, boom, 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 boom. All right, yeah. you got it. Wow. Yep. Yep. For sure. A hundred percent right. Um, you know, by the time I, I auditioned for SNL, like their their main audition, their screen test basically is like you're standing where the host does the monologue and they say do anywhere between five and seven minutes. The rough guidelines are like three impressions, three original characters, but you can do whatever version you want, but just show us your best stuff in that time. And by that, by the time I first, just, just like 
just hearing SNL wants to see you just felt like a win. That was, yeah. it was like, great. I did it. I was good enough to be acknowledged by the show, the institution that shaped me as a comedian. Um, so there was like four of us that went out from the groundlings junior company, the Sunday company, which mm. is kind of their like junior company, but that's where all the exciting stuff happens. Cause with Sunday, you're doing new sketches every week. It's really very good training for SNL. You're pitching sketches Wednesday night and you're putting up a new show Sunday and you're doing that for six months straight. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, the four of us went, I like rented a limousine. I made a mix CD of just all New York themed yeah. music. Um, and we, you know, we went in through the, through the Lincoln tunnel, just blaring, like, you know, and standing out of the moonroof. Um, and it was so fun. And it was kind of like, leave it on the stage because this might be it. This is your shot. This is your chance. Leave it on the stage. You're the reason people in New York hate people from LA. You 100%. are the reason. You're the is the reason why people in New York just hate people. No, but in defense, I, okay. in defense of that, I always tell people, Taryn, because this this business and life in general, the the ups and downs are so many. Like, for, for example, you'll know. Like, for example, you'll audition, you'll get a movie. And then you'll be like, okay, I'm going to wait till the movie will film it. And then I'll celebrate. And then you, and then you get the movie, film it. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to wait till opening night. Then mm -hmm. I'll say, you wait, wait, wait. And then the movie comes and it tanks. And you're like, oh my God, I never celebrated this whole time. I shouldn't have I agree it. with you. Celebrate, enjoy the process. Good for you. Yeah. Get that limousine. All right. So you do the limo, you get on stage. It's just and that Willy Wonka moment. You know what I mean? I know what Tehran is saying, like, for sure. But let's also, <laughs> let's also be honest. There's a lot of things New Yorkers hate. <laughs> There's a lot of reasons for New Yorkers to be mad. And tourists, <laughs> tourists enjoying their city somehow is on the list, but doesn't need to be at the top of it. Uh, all right, fair, 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 fair. Yeah. Please continue. Um, what, fair. what impressions did you do for the audition? Do you remember? Can you do I one did, for us? I did. So I really like doing Brad Pitt. I have a very uh -huh. like cartoonish, exaggerated Brad Pitt, but like grew up loving... Fight Club and 12 can Monkeys. We, can we see that, by the way? Fight Club, one of the best, most underrated movies, even though people act like they know about it now. Very yeah. underrated. Oh, me, I so see good. this Brad Pitt. May, may so the Brad Pitt impression came out of uh, my love for Seven. There's a scene where he's talking to Morgan Freeman about quitting, what Morgan Freeman's retiring, and Brad Pitt goes, you know what? I don't think you're quitting because you believe that. I think you want to believe that because you're quitting. <laughs> and they say yeah 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 it's fucked it's all fucked up we should all go fucking live in log cabins but don't agree do not ah. that's so that great impression. then it was just me as brad pitt doing the weather palm springs it's gonna be hot very hot <laughs> be sure to wear sunblock <laughs> ah. i just added that vocal tick because that's kind of him in 12 monkeys you know He's yeah like, you want to escape that's sane that's very sane ah! Get out of my chair. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I did that. I did. I mean, I ended up doing it three times. Right. So like, I don't exactly remember which ones, but like I did a Tom Hanks. I did Seth Rogen. I did Michael Sarah. Mm. I did. When Paul you say Defiant. you did it three times, what do you mean? You mean they, you, they said, come back again and come back and come back again and always do new stuff. They said. Correct. God. Yeah, I did it. I did it. That first time was like joyride, drive the native New Yorkers crazy got home two days later they're like they liked you they want you to come back two week in two weeks all new material and i'm like oh so i showed them all my a stuff and now i got to show them five to seven minutes of the b material that didn't make the a cut oh and my. i really kind of i think i psyched myself out like if the first time was like 
victory dance celebration the second time was like oh this could happen oh yeah and i would took and i was maybe too serious i think i was maybe too tight you know mm-hmm. um and then after that one i didn't get it right i didn't get it for that season and they kind of told me and my reps they're like he's on our radar but it's not this year and i took that with a grain of salt because otherwise i just would have driven myself crazy so i went back to groundlings i finished sunday company i got voted into the main company started doing my first show there and true to their word snl called a year later and we're like we want to bring him back out and fortunately i did take that year to kind of like generate material that would work in that format Mm -hmm. as opposed to like you know sunday company you tend to get loopy and try your weirdest most absurd stuff which is stuff i love anyway but i wanted to do stuff that maybe was a little more mainstream a little more catered to Mm. you know but like talking like um pop culture and politics and stuff like that so um a year later third audition that went well they flew me out again to meet with lorne just the the, it's sort of like a crazy check and uh and found out that night i got the job what an amazing feeling man and and all along you're not just a performer you're also training in writing right i mean because the the Mm -hmm. reason i asked that is because one thing that i've learned in this business and i keep advising people and i keep trying to remind myself is you need to write your own stuff yeah it really is important because otherwise no one's going to, no one's going to, you're not going to be walking down Hollywood Boulevard. Someone taps you on the shoulder and goes, Hey, I want you to be in my next Marvel movie. Totally. Right. But Maz, don't you think like conventional, conventional, traditional acting, I feel like a way we came up, which is like, get, get your headshot and make a reel and get that representation and audition for pilot season. It's dead. That's like, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. There are pockets where that conventionality may, may rear its head. But self-generating is what the next generation has been doing from the second they got a phone in their hand, right? Yeah, like, yeah. That's what TikTok is, that's what Instagram is. Like, you, they're already doing it, fortunately. And you can, there are people who are making much more money annually producing TikTok, YouTube, Twitch videos than a cast member on SNL currently, you know? Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely yeah. right. It's totally changed, and that's why it's that even more so. And and sometimes us people who started in the previous generation, like I talk about this to Tehran all the time. I go, you know, we're at the comedy clubs doing stand up, but I go, we got to put time and effort into our social media, yes, yeah, because otherwise you're just kind of screaming into the abyss and going oh, like, oh, this is you know, and wow, I had a great set for two hundred people. Yeah. Meanwhile, n- no casting agent was there. Nobody was there. And you're still right. where you were. And then the guy who's got, like you said, the million followers on TikTok is getting the call and, and doing a cameo in, in the Batman or whatever. You're like, oh, exactly. OK. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, there's there's this interesting dichotomy between popularity and prestige. And a lot of times, while we have a lot of social media influencers who are extremely popular, when you look at it in the prestige standpoint, you see that they're actually... And I don't want to knock social media influencers because I find it extremely viable in the future, but many of them are mediocre at what they do. They're just extremely popular. And so I take the example of two of my really good friends, Chris Red, who's currently on SNL and doing extremely well. And then my other good friend, Batch, King Batch, who's on social media and working his ass off and doing extremely well. And I see the trajectory of their careers. And while Batch has an amazing career, 20 million plus followers, there's a prestige to a Chris Red that sometimes the social media world often lacks. And that's where yeah. 
I think it, we find it hard as performers, which road do we take? Sure. And, and a lot of us feel silly doing things like TikTok and Instagram reels and knowing that that's what we're doing because we feel so highbrow and want that prestige of an Oscar, an Emmy, whatever it is, and not just a high five and a like that we should be searching for. No, it's such a good point. And I think like, I think it highlights like a couple aspects is that like popularity and prestige, as you put it, um, you can even break those down into like subcategories, which is like fame or, or talented storytellers, right? They're very different things. The entertainment business and the entertainment infrastructure has always been funded by eyeballs, right? So, so philosophically, nothing has really changed, right? If, if uh, Tied with Bleach knows that Friends has got 20 million eyeballs every week, then Warner Brothers can charge an arm and a leg for Tide to fund that commercial, right? That's where money came from conventionally in, in entertainment. And now, now it's cool that it's like direct to consumer, you know, Kim Bach is like, I've got 2 million eyeballs weekly watching my videos. I don't need Warner Brothers. I don't need anybody. I'm going to talk to Tide, right? So like the business model, I think philosophically and theoret theoretically hasn't shifted so much, right? Just like, like business fundamentals. But I think what you're talking about is the system of entertainment, right? And, def and the definition of entertainment. TikTok is very entertaining, but a film like The Batman is also entertainment, but requires an infrastructure that what you're talking about without the prestige, you're not gonna get that entrance into the system. You're not gonna get through the gateway. You're not gonna get, you know. Exactly. The, the, the production costs, the, the development of a writer, a director, a thing. It's like doing it yourself is amazing. But if your end goal is, as you defined a prestige or like, you know, being in the entertainment system, being within a studio system, then yeah, that, that, that bridge has not been truly successfully gapped yet, I think. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the episode. If you're like me, you take vitamins. I want you to try our sponsor, Ritual Vitamins. I'm excited to be trying them out. They are a multivitamin. We all need vitamins, right? Your body needs vitamins. Here's what's special about them, okay? You deserve to know what you're putting in your body and why, especially when it comes to something that you're taking every day. So Ritual's clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin is formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms for your body so that you can actually use, all right? You're not going to find sugars or GMOs or major allergens or synthetic fillers or artificial colorants in Ritual Vitamins, all right? I want you guys to check them out. Uh, Ritual Vitamins is a multivitamin reimagined, all right? It's a multivitamin, uh, should contain key nutrients and forms your body can actually use to help fill gaps in the diet, all right? They are uh, designed for your stage of life in mind, so they've got it for women, men, teens, doesn't matter. They got it for you. Here's the best part of it all, all right? You listen to my show. They are going to give you 10% off during your first three months, okay? You get key nutrients. Without the BS, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com school to start your ritual today. And if you don't like it, you can get it back. They'll refund your first order. So you got nothing to lose. Just help yourself get better. 
Try Ritual at ritual.com slash school and get 10% off. Talking about all the uh, social media stuff, I you know, and reading about you just to prepare, I came upon the legend of Makoki and Sl- Sloppy Swish, which I had yeah. seen before, and it was the craziest, funniest thing. Oh, and I remember seeing it and dying laughing. And for people who are listening to this or watching this, just Google the legend of M-O-K-I-K-I and the sloppy swish. And my question to you as, again, somebody who's right, I write stand up. I used to write sketch. How does a crazy sketch like that come about? Is that like what talk us through because it's for and describe a little bit of what it is and and how it comes about. Legend of Mokiki is like, yeah, about this guy Mokiki who who was like a, a lab rat of sorts, like like pharmaceuticals tested drugs on him and it and it sent it turned him crazy, like a cartoonish level of crazy. Um, but also he whenever he moves now, he can't help but do this dance called the sloppy swish. And he's also <laughs> very infectious. If you get too close to him, he'll vomit on you and infect you with his dance move. Um, you know, your standard sketch topic. It's nuts. (laughs) Um, that, so, you know, like that really kind of comes out of how can I pop individually on SNL? Mm -hmm. I, I was always pretty lucky in that, like I could fit into other people's sketches pretty easy, you know, like Mm -hmm. I had a diverse tool set, so to speak. But in terms of like, what is my voice and what is my brand for lack of a better word? Um, I love physical comedy. I love movement. I love, I love like weird, obnoxious earwig songs, you know? And there's mm-hmm. a song by um, Manu Chow called King of the Bongo or called Bongo Bong. Oh, yeah. And I always had this fun hook that I loved. And I just, it just like creeped under my skin. Is that the King of the Bongo? King, oh, of-, King of the Bongo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> a little, calypso, a little yeah. 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 Um, And so I was like, I love that sound. And, and, pitch to uh my friends who were hired by snl to be directors but we were friends first matt Nas, and i said hey i've got this idea for this dumb it's so dumb i apologize in advance it's stupid but if we just go out and film it it could be fun because it might be something slightly different for snl where you're getting real people's reactions to me doing this thing in public and they're like we're game yeah let's try it so like Without even SNL's approval, we went out into the city to Central Park, to Times Square, to Rockefeller, and just like filmed it on our own. Started filming it, and like hair and makeup and costumes like did us a favor, and they're like, "Yeah, we'll give you a we'll give you a weird outfit." Um, but we basically just shot this thing on our own because that's what they that's what Lonely Island did for Lazy Sunday too. They shot wow. Lazy Sunday on a Sunday, you know, on their own time, and then showed it. So I sort of mimicked that model. And we, they aired it and it went pretty well. It was pretty well received, but it didn't go into the episode the week we filmed it. And then the next week, Anne Hathaway was the host and Lorne very wisely was like, put the host in it so that it has to be done this week. And so we went back and we reshot some stuff with, with Anne Hathaway and, and added slightly more narrative, although it's absolute nonsense. Um, it is hilarious. And I love, I love the, I love the, again, that gets, that goes back to this whole self-starter stuff. Like yeah. even when you're on the show, yeah. you're not going through, because a lot of times I think people think, oh, you got to go get the approval. You said, no, screw it. Let's just go shoot it. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's a constant thing we face in this business too. When you have like a TV show idea and you got to pitch it to a network. 
I've had so many pitches where I pitch it and they go, oh, we love the pitch. And then the next day, we're not going to buy it. I'm like, but you loved it. And what you just said, there's a lot of people who go, I went and I shot the thing and then I showed it. So they got it. Totally. Totally. I mean, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Those guys shot their own pilot, you know, and now 15 yeah. seasons later have. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like we're very similar in that, like, there's nothing I respect more than someone's like ambition and and diligence to just make make it happen. Yeah, I love it. So then you you leave SNL and then do you did, did you then want to do a film career? What did you want to do? Because you you ultimately end up, by the way, doing Hamilton, which is yeah. great. So so work us through what you thought leaving and how you ended up at Hamilton. Yeah, I mean, SNL is very much a young person's game. And in my opinion, it's it's just all consuming. It consumes all of you, right? And the hours, there were absolutely weeks where I left my house at like 11 a.m. Thursday and was not home in my bed till 7 a.m. Saturday. Wow. Um, and, and by my fifth and sixth season, I was a married father of two and, you know, um, and, and, and I do love film and I'd written a, a, a script that at one point Lawrence company was maybe going to produce. And then they ended up doing a different project, but I got somebody who was willing to, to put up some money. And, uh, it was this crazy mockumentary about hitmen and about like, like Luke Besson, John McTiernan, absurd archetype hitmen who want to break into the biz. So they go after the top dog, this guy, Gunther. And it was just going to be like, I was like, I want to make a small one to $2 million film with my friends and it'll be weird. And you know, my thing. Um, but just somehow through channels, Arnold Schwarzenegger agreed to play Gunther played. Oh, wow. The, wow. the guy. Yeah. And so that changed it. That just changed the makeup of it. And I was, and it was great and it was fun and he was amazing. And we had so much fun shooting it, but the end result isn't exactly what I had always envisioned. Um, there's things about it that I'm so proud of and that I love, but as a, as a whole piece, it's, um, it's a little divided. It's like a bunch of up and coming comedy people being silly and then an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, right? Yeah. And you know what people are going to turn up for. They want the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, but if they have to sit through 45 minutes of no Arnold, they're like, what the hell is this? So, What's the name of the movie? Um, Killing, Killing Gunther. Killing Gunther. Yeah. Okay, and, and it's a, where's it available? I want people to watch it. I want to watch it. It's on HBO Max right now. Oh, yeah. beautiful. I'm going to watch it. It is on HBO Max. That's because, I... because Taryn, as you tell that story, Tehran knows I made a movie called Jimmy Vestwood, American Hero, which was like my Persian Pink Panther, basically. So, oh, bumbling incredible. idiot. Yeah, bumbling idiot saves the day. And just like you put it together, had this vision, loved, you know, loved making it, loved everything. And, and ultimately, I was making it for like 12 year old boys. Sure, sure. And as you said, what you were just describing, it has moments where I'm like, that's it. And then it's got moments where I'm like, oh, we should have, oh, we should have developed that a little bit more, you know? Totally. Um, totally. But, but yeah. So, so killing Gunther, yeah. and then what happens? So you know, so, you know, so, so part, while I was filming that, um, I knew I was going to have a busy post schedule, which I'm sure you can appreciate. And, and I'd also kind of been offered the Showtime pilot. So there were, there were options, and SNL was at a sort of crossroads where they were really assessing what direction do we want to go in. And I knew like at most you're getting a year af out of me. Um, and they asked for extra time to kind of, do normally they have to let you know, like July 15th is the date they tell you. And they asked for like a two or three week extension. And we said, if you clear this stuff, then we'll give you that. And then like 
four weeks later or whatever, they're like, they're not going to renew your contract. And I was like, that's fine. They, you know, they said that they, they pre-approved the other thing. So I already knew I was going to shoot the pilot, finish this movie. And while I was doing post in New York, cause I was still in New York, even though both my wife's from Vancouver, I'm from LA. So we wanted to get back to the West coast. Um, while I was doing post, I had, I had become good friends with Tommy Kale who directed Hamilton mm-hmm. and both Kobe and I had known Lynn for years before that we loved in the Heights. And then he did some work on how I met your mother. So we got to become friends with Lynn as well. And they're like, Hey, we need to find a new King. Is this something you would be willing to do? Cause they, Tommy had even brought it up to me when they were still workshopping. They're like, Hey, we're going to go upstate to workshop Lynn's next show. Would SNL give you time off to do this theater workshop? And I'm like, I wish, <laughs> I wow. wish no way. Um, so it was great that they were able to come back and, and offer me what is to this day and probably will forever be the best job I've ever had. And for those of you who haven't seen Hamilton, the, the King comes out and has some of the most funniest lines, funniest song, so catchy and just gets to be over the top. And, and how long were you on Hamilton? Uh, for three months. I did that for three months. Um, and was going to do more, but then Kobe ended up doing a play on Broadway with Kevin Klein, which was so cool. We got to like overlap for six weeks. Um, but when we were both doing it, our daughters had no mom or dad for bedtime six nights out of the week. And I was like, I'll, I got to bow out. I got to be there for my That's the other thing that people don't understand about Broadway, because we as, as viewers go to Broadway, we see the show. We're like, that was amazing, man. Well, it looks like fun. Oh my God, let's go party. To- Meanwhile, the people, like you just said, who are in the play are yeah. doing it six nights a week. Sundays, you got a matinee and an evening show. Wednesdays, you got a matinee evening show. You yeah. have no social life. All you, I mean, obviously, during the day, once it's up on its feet. You're a great the- lunch date. Yeah, you're a great yeah. lunch date. But no, your nights are not your own. Because no. also, as Tehran and I as stand-ups will tell you, when you have a show that night, even if you're at lunch or whatever, you're, you're always like, oh, no, I know I can't really have a glass of wine. I got to. Th- oh, yeah. yeah no, yeah. I got to got to time my energy. <laughs> it's like, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Especially on that yeah. night. Now, my favorite stuff is I'm, I'm glad you did SNL. SNL, you were class of blah, blah, blah. Wild and out. OK, here's the thing. Sure. OK, sure. let's talk wild and out because that's that's more me. Right. Watching right. you on wild and out. Where did they get you? Where did they find some white boy to be all wild and out, especially at that time? Like, you're on it. Sure, Nick, Cat, like, you're doing sure. stuff. Yeah. And how is that part of the wheelhouse that has created you now? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, it's it was definitely an interesting, uh, <laughs> it's sort of like, like um, here, now here's a different flavor of Taryn. Um, but uh, my, so the, the same manager, the rep Keenan, rep, rep nick and i knew nick uh from nick i need this manager who's this manager mike goldman mike (laughs) goldman he's still around yeah that's the guy that's That's the the guy um i knew nick cannon a little bit through nickelodeon stuff they and and i auditioned for the first season of wild and out that was probably like i was probably 24 25 and it was in like a a period of my life where i was like i gotta work i need work um and so i auditioned with my then roommate and one of my best friends mikey day um who's now on snl and we auditioned together and did very well i think i need better friends i need better friends (laughs) yeah yeah, you gotta find a better friend yeah (laughs) Um, 
and then uh and then mikey got it that first season and oh god what's rob's last name there's another guy that um he did um god i'm sorry rob i'm blanking on rob's last name but they had like mtv had a deal with this other white guy and they're like we don't we, you know this is wild and out let's not go crazy let's not go crazy <laughs> with white guys yeah. <laughs> out the gate um which is very fair and baby so, steps baby steps yeah, baby steps baby steps let's ease into this um but then yeah season two they came calling and i was still in that place where i was like i, I just need i just need a paycheck and please and i love nick and i love mikey and and like I still am very close friends with Pete, with friends I made from there. So like Leonard Robinson and Randall Park and Marcus Ray, like all these great, funny people. Um, and yeah, so, so I did, I think I ended up doing three seasons of that because like season two, they cut into two seasons and then we did another season after that. Um, and I just, you know, I, my, my job was to go in there and do be, be my authentic self, you know? Mm. Um, and you were that yeah. that's very fair. You were, you did not, you didn't overstep lines in that way, which is great. I'm not trying to appropriate. I'm not trying to- play. Back then, back then when people didn't understand that kind of mentality, like there would have been a lot of reasons or ways or excuses back then for you to do so. And you never did. You were just, hey, I'm Taryn. This yep. is how Taryn works. Taryn yep. isn't for everybody. This is Taryn. That's what- Take it or leave it. You know, that's what I want to ask because whenever I watch While and Out, I- yeah. I, I feel intimidated because it feels like it's like sketch with an attitude, especially when they do the whole sure. thing where they get in and they make fun of each other. Yeah. 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 The yeah, wild style. The, the rap battle thing. So yeah. did you, did you get, did you get, did you have to do the rap battle thing? And if you did, For like, sure. what did you, were you nervous going in? Like, Oh my God, what am I going to say? Or is it just like, just rhyme and I'll be fine. Yeah. No. I mean, people are always like, is it really improvised, you know, or is it planned? And the structure of a production season is that you go in for three or four weeks and just improvise. You just play improv games. You get to know the new cast member. You just, you do that. But then there's a writer producer off to the side who's clocking which bits work the best to hedge their bets. Right. And then, so once you're shooting, they go, Hey, remember that thing? We're going to, we're going to, tee you up for that Great. that's how the games work for the most part right but you never know whose team you're on you never know who you know what what so who the host is um but then the wild style rap battle that was the closest thing to actual improv but you also know that people are like going home with their journal and coming up with you know with with rhymes and with lines about people and like they're getting yeah, ready. Yeah. Of course. It's, yeah. you know, that's how it works. But, yeah. but Taryn did it. Taryn did it. Leonard's hairline. Uh, yeah. you know, Taryn did it. Taryn did it. Fair mind, you know? Uh, yeah. So uh, it, but then the hardest thing, honestly, once you're there, the hardest thing is not coming up with the burns or the raps or the roast. It's coming up. It's getting the mic. <laughs> oh. It's just getting the mic from someone. Like, yeah. good luck. If you're on D Ray Davis's team in a wild style, good luck getting the mic. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. That's real. But Taryn definitely it... got on the mic. He got on the mic. He, he definitely the mic had a, a few times. He, so won, make... he won a couple. You won a couple hey, out of nowhere. I, I'll tell you, I don't know if D Ray's one of the guys, but there's times as a comedian too where you have a host who just sure. isn't getting off. You're like, good luck sure. getting up. This guy won't get off. And the guy Head, keeps going. Headliner doing 60 minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like Chappelle shows up. I feel attacked, people. Moss. I'm just like, you know, I feel I'm, attacked. Teron, okay. sometimes you don't, you run the light. You run it's the- It's called <laughs> Teron 
Thursday. Okay, yeah, it's right. called Tehran Thursday. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's no, I, no, I give you the, the the worst one for me was one time I was uh, on on the schedule at the Laugh Factory, and it was like a ten o'clock show, and I was supposed to be on it like I don't know eleven eleven fifteen, and Chris Tucker decided oh. to host, okay. so he would go up between acts and do about a half an hour every time. And it was midnight. I still wasn't on. And then they were like, oh, Chris Rock just stopped by. And yeah, I, yeah. when that happened, I was like, I told the host, I go, I, I mean, the, 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 whoever's running the show, the, man, I, the manager, I go, listen, I'm going to go home because I, there's no point. And he's like, no, no, stay. We'll yeah. get you on. I go, no, I don't want to get on. It's okay. This is done. This is, I, if I were in the audience, I'd be happy. I'm not. So I'm slightly less happy. But yeah, yeah but Taryn, there was, there was at least five Persian people who were like, what happened to Mars? I can't. Exactly. I don't know who's this guy. Who, who's yeah. this guy? I'm telling yeah. you, at my my birthday party this year, Mars, Max, myself, Kevin Hart came, showed me so much love, came, performed, and there were Persian people were like, "Hey, Tanon, what time does Mars go up?" That's I was awesome. like, "That's because he's a star." Tanon. He's Taren, a star. Big, I'm big in Westwood, buddy. I'm big in Westwood. Uh, in Westwood. <laughs> Beverly Hills. We, we can't even walk around Westwood Beverly Hills. Boulevard, Santa Monica to Wilshire. That yeah, bro. I, that's my pocket. That's my pocket. <laughs> so we met years ago when you were doing Life on a Stick. Because oh my god, I was. I'm good buddies with Ryan Belleville. So that was yeah. the first time that we met. Honestly, a lifetime ago. Oh my um, God! You're always so funny on that show. You're so oh four, good. oh four. Wait, what's Ryan doing? Is he doing stand up in Canada? He's great. Yeah, he's still doing a lot of stand up. He's on a show based out of Canada called Working Moms. It's uh -huh. like a big Netflix hit. You know? Wow. Um, yeah, he's doing good. He's doing great. Tell him I say hi. What a time that was. That was my first sitcom. What a blast! Oh, oh my God. Cool. Cool, so cool, what's cool. this thing you got going on on the twenty eighth? You're you're hosting, I believe, yes. an event. Yep. So Loxa, my high school I mentioned earlier, they're doing like a fundraiser gala. Um, I've hosted once before and and am and, and co-hosting this year with a guy, Andrew Chappelle, who I did Hamilton with. He was one of the original swings on Broadway. And we found out we both went to Loxa. He, he's younger than I, so we didn't overlap. Um, and Andrew has written a short film that he's asked me to direct. And we're having fun getting ready to shoot that at the end of May. And one of the locations we wanted to shoot at was our high school. And so while we were there, Miss Hunter, the head of the theater department was like, you can use anything you want. We always love helping alumni, but will you host our gala? That's amazing. <laughs> April, we're like, yeah, of course, of course, sure. Um, so it's great, you know, cause it's a public, it's a public school kid. No kids pay tuition. Nobody pays any money. And they're wow. honestly getting like state of the art advance. I was studying Suzuki Japanese body movement at 15 years old. Wow. Because of this place, Loxa has like for like, I think it's four years running now been ranked by multiple boards as like the number one public arts education in the country. Um, so this gala is fun. There's going to be kids performing from each focus, you know, from music, from dance, from theater. Um, and uh, yeah, people can buy a ticket. People can uh, bid on an online auction and it raises money. All the money's going straight to the school for, you know, theater productions for for lighting design for art supplies um so it's for a good cause and it's a fun a fun show fun night do you and know you where to get it find, now yeah where do, get people, now because, where do people uh, find information uh you can go to uh, uh loxa foundation gala.com or dot org sorry and it's loxa foundation it might even be 22 oh if only there was a way to find out um, <laughs> loxa foundation is what l-o 
L A C H. Oh, okay. Uh, here it is. Here it is. Okay. Foundation. Okay. Are you ready? Officially, it's loxafoundation.org. I nailed it. I yeah. nailed it. There you go. You nailed it on your first time. And, and also, you want to go to these things because not only is it a great cause, you're, and all the people were like, let's help out. This is an amazing way to help out for the future. Plus, a lot of these kids are going to be superstars. You want pictures with them now. You understand? You want to be support them now before they get big because the first group of people we forget are the little people yep, so support yep. them now uh, phoebe bridgers went to loxa josh groban anthony anderson wow Leah duvall jenna elfman uh corbin blue you can go uh, as tehran said you can Wiley went there and he he's getting a legacy award kande did uh obama's presidential portrait well, as, as Tehran said, you can go there, you can get a selfie, turn it into an NFT, and then once they hit, you Boom. sell that for a lot. Boom. Boom. Monetize, Start buying. Monetize, 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 blockchain, blockchain. Boom. That's how, blockchain. That's how <laughs> it right. works. Tarrant, I'm, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start wrapping it up with you. We're gonna go to a section we call. Yeah, Mars, can I ask one last question before yes, you do yes. this? Because I, I did I wanted to bring this up because okay, Tarrant, I I saw you in 12 years of slave, right? And I'm like, bro. It's not, we, I have, I'm not going to, I'm not, Listen, are you, okay. I got through wild and out unscathed. And exactly. You got to create another so, gauntlet. Here we exactly. go. Exactly. So you had 12 years of slave. Did you spend every cut apologizing? Hey guys, no. I just want to apologize. No. This was, hey, script. I didn't write it. I'm not, I'm against <laughs> this. You know what? I'm going to go donate. I'm going to go donate. I'm going to, you know what I need to do? hundred percent. hundred percent. I will so say, good. I will say like on set. So Steve McQueen, the director. Mm. Uh, British guy is amazing. Um, I, I I don't know if you've seen either of his first two films, but all his films, you know, he's not a light guy. He goes a little heavy, right? He's yeah. A, um, uh, Hunger and then um, what was the Fastbender one where he was naked and everybody lo lost their mind? Shame, shame. Um, so I'm like, I did my research, but you could only do, you know, I could only do it in small bursts. You know what I mean? By 20 minutes, you just like, I just hate everyone. <laughs> I, just hate, I just hate humans. I hate everyone. I, and, and it's so depressing and so sad. And it's such a horrific, true story. Like this, this is a real guy. This is a real guy. Yeah, real story. Wow. And it's really good. And you do an amazing job in it. Like you're very, amazing. Very kind. But and, and that's the whole thing. It's a nightmare. It's a living nightmare. And how, you know, it's, a, it, it's awful. So like, but I wanted to come in prepared. Like that's that I felt was my job to honor the source material was to be prepared. Right. And be, and so I showed up, I knew songs of the time I had journaled as the character and I meant, and honestly, like Chewy tell is on set and he's just like, Oh brother, I went out with Michael Fassbender last night in the French quarter. I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep up. And this is not the vibe that I thought that this set was going to who, be. Who was that? Who was that on set? <laughs> What's that? Who was that on set with oh, the accent? Tell. So Chewie Tell, who plays uh, oh, yeah. Solomon. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was like, uh, I think uh, they needed that. And also the week that me and Scoot, who play like the two con men, the two swindlers, the week we showed up was the week after they'd done Lupita's big punishment scene. Oh, wow. And the, and the crew was wrecked. You could feel it. The crew was wrecked. So like, you know, 
even though we're deceitful and even though we are literally robbing this man of his life, the scenes leading up to it are like fancy dinners and carriage rides and oh, yeah, walks yeah. in the park. So people were like pretty grateful for the change of pace, so to speak. Mm. Um, I asked Paul Dano, cause he sings that awful, awful song in it. Awful. That like just brings tears to your eyes. And I said like, how did similar to your question, Tehran of like, how do you prepare for like, how do you live with that? You know what I mean? In your head? Yeah. You're acting, but you're doing it. You know what I mean? And he's like, the worst thing about that, about seeing that song is that that was a reshoot. So he got through production playing this despicable, evil, absent of humanity person, and then had to come back and do the worst part. (laughs) thought he was done. It's like right after Christmas. They're like, hey, what are you doing? Just bring them back in. They're just throwing it. Yeah. I mean, it's a heavy, heavy thing, but I just, especially the reason why I thought of it specifically for you is because here I am, you're on Bald and Out, um, uh, Mad TV, the things that I had seen you in, and then caught me and then SNL because this was like during SNL you were shooting SNL so I had never seen this dramatic side of you which is a testament to your acting and creativity but also it's such a change of pace one word Tehran one word Laksa Laksa Laksa. the man was trained Laksa one word six letters Laksa that's amazing it's strong it was just strong and just for everybody at home Steve McQueen isn't the actor. He's a black director. So yeah, don't, exactly it's not the right, right actor. Like, the right actor did not shoot. So here's the slave, okay? He came back and to life like, and shot it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. The, the Sorry, le- Moss, I had to ask. No, listen, that was a great question. And by the way, the, the lesson of 12 years a slave obviously has landed because as we all know, uh, systemic racism does not exist. So that's what you get Sarcasm. from that movie. That movie That's, fixed it. That movie, that that movie, movie fixed it. That movie <laughs> right. Obama's presidency. Let's go. <laughs> we're going we're gonna, to uh, go to a section, uh, speaking of schools, we call it Back to School with Taryn Killam. So five quick questions, five quick answers. Were you right. popular in high school? Yes. What did you want to be when you were in high school? Jim Carrey. What would you tell your high school self if you could tell yourself one thing? Have more sex. Yes. <laughs> That's the best answer ever. What other... <laughs> profession would you do if you could um maybe animator or or uh like contractor like i like building things do you recommend people get into you your profession and why um only if you love uh the the journey and not the destination i love it i love it great advice tehran what'd you learn on this episode to marry a flex. Just marry yeah, that flex. Yeah. Like, don't, yeah. nothing less. You don't understand? Settle. Don't settle. You know, don't if settle. I'm, syndication, don't waste your time. Yo, don't even flex, you know? Drop that name. I want, uh, I want, I want a multicam syndication and I, and they better be in the MCU or I'm not looking <laughs> exactly, at you. Exactly, exactly. Scarlet Joe, I'm coming for you. <laughs> flex. That's it. Flex. I learned that uh, on Wild and Out, I'm not going to be as nervous watching Wild and Out from now on because it's all written in advance. They cheat. It's all a lie. Hollywood's a lie. Oh, my God. It's like, um, it's like bowling with bumpers. You know what I mean? You're still, yeah. you're still rolling. You can still roll a strike. Yeah, yeah. Except, if, except if D-Ray's got the mic, you're not rolling anything. No, D-Ray, you're not getting a ball. You better just go get nachos. Go get nachos. Shout out to our friends on Wild and Out this season, Godfrey or 
Mash, uh, Kosher Tills. We have a lot of people on Wild uh, and Out. And shout out to all our friends on Saturday Night Live who are just consistently killing it. Shout out to you letting me know Wild and Out is still happening. I thought it was done. So that's yeah. good to know. Oh, no, it's going no, strong, too. Red and black to black and platinum now. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. Um, listen, Taryn, I want to thank you for taking the time uh, for and being on Ma Back to School with Maja Brani. So the, the, the Instagram is at Tarzan and then N-O-Z, correct? Correct, correct. So people follow Taryn. You're doing great things. On the 28th, you're going to be hosting this fundraiser for LAXA, which is, again, a great school. I want people to check it out. I want people to follow Taryn. And uh, really, take, thank you for taking the time, man. Oz, thank you. Taron, thank you so much. So nice to thank meet you. Thank you. What's Tarzan no Z? It's how I spell my name. Uh, smart. Tarzan no Z. I'm Taron, gonna... how do you spell that? It's like Tarzan no Z. I, ah, no one can ever it. forget that. Love that for us. Tarzan no Z, thank you for being on Back to School with Mazjabrani. Back to School. Thank you for listening to another episode of Back to School with Maz Jobrani. We hope you're enjoying it. We hope you're having fun. And we hope you're learning something. So make sure to let your friends know. Share it on iTunes. Share the clips from YouTube. Just get it out there. However you're listening, let your friends know to tune in to Back to School with Maz Jobrani. Back to School with